Blog Talk Radio. Your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapai, 
I'm joined once again by my wife, Pastor Dai, in the building. Shalom. Wants to say uh, shalom to the 12 tribes scattered worldwide, y'all. It's been a most uh, eventful <laughs> past couple of weeks, man. Um, I ain't do the show last week, y'all. Um, I was out of town trying to um, be a shoulder <laughs> for my cousin, uh who who experienced some losses. Uh it's been a rough year for him. Wanna send shouts out to my cousin Devin. They actually made it, man, to my destination. Unfortunately missing the funeral of my departed cousin. Her soul rest in peace, Melissa. Uh but didn't get a chance, opportunity to hang out with Devin, man. Showed me a good time, ended up going skating. Uh nostalgia, man, because um King, man. <laughs> I haven't been in that place since I was a little boy, man. But uh, I appreciate that because um, I had a good time, man. Uh, looking forward to visiting again. And uh, looking forward to you coming down here, man. See some of uh, this Texas stuff down here. Uh, but like I say, I was very, very <laughs> eventful because um, – and, and and doing and making that trip, y'all. Uh, and let me say this, y'all. <laughs> cheap is not always better. All right, cheap is not always better. You get what you pay for, man. And I learned that <laughs> ten times over. Never, 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 never. If you can help it, fly Frontier Airlines, y'all. If you do, get you get you a bag, <laughs> a book bag, not a big one, that you got one change of clothes in, and make sure you get there about two hours early because they will switch the gates on you at the last minute. And... <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what happened to me. Well, I'm going to say fortunately because um, anyway, this is how it went, y'all. So I had a flight up out of here that was connecting in Vegas, but I had a layover in Vegas, which was overnight. Initially, I wasn't tripping because I have a dear friend in Vegas that I hadn't seen in X amount of years, man. Brother Kahan, I want to send shots out to you, brother. It was good seeing you. And good spending time with you, man. Uh, <laughs> no doubt, cause straight through, no connected flights, right? <laughs> but uh, shout out to Kahan, man, who was my host, man, with that overnight event. And um, so we get to the airport, and I'm going to try not to be so long-winded, y'all. I just want to share my experience with y'all. Then I'm going to get to the show, definitely. So, like I said, I had an overnight in Vegas, and that was on a, a Friday, leading into Saturday morning. The flight was scheduled to take off at 6 a.m. I got to the airport. Gahan got me there at about 5, I want to say. Yeah, we got there at about 5. Um, 
it was crowded as hell in Vegas for whatever reason. People was flying out that morning. So I had a flight that was scheduled to leave at 6. I got the file. I made it through uh, TSA at about, I think I got through TSA at about 5.30, something like that. So it said on my ticket that they were going to stop boarding at 5.45 for Frontier. So I'm... I'm moving through the damn terminal, man. I'm sprinting. And I make it to my gate. My gate was, um, what was the damn number? D22 or something like that? D, no, D25, something like that. I make it to my gate at about 544. Now, now mind you, they said it's going to stop boarding at 545. I get there a minute before they actually say they're going to stop boarding. And nobody's at the damn terminal. I mean, it don't look like, you know how you just show up late for something or on time for something, and you can see the residue of what used to be there? Well, there was nothing there at this terminal, nothing. It was deserted. So I'm like, what the hell? So it was a terminal next to it where it was people that, you know, they was, getting on a flight, whatever, and they was about to uh, close up the gate or whatever. So I go over there, and the girl, Judah, y'all, so-called black, ignored me for probably five minutes before I got her damn attention. I asked her, hey, what's going on with the flight to St. Louis? Then she said, well, I don't know. You got to go to gate 17 to ask them. So I'm like, Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so I run over to gate 17, and I'm standing in line, and <laughs> the girl behind the counter, there's another girl behind the counter with her, and she's just having a damn coughing attack and sneezing all over the damn place. And I'm talking to the sister that's directly behind the counter because I got up to into the line, and she's telling me, uh, she normally don't work at this particular gate or what have you, and she's hoping that she ain't going to be on TikTok because everybody around me is complaining, <laughs> everybody, <laughs> and she's catching that smoke. So I'm calm. I talk to her. I'm like, hey, I was on schedule to fly to St. Louis. Uh, I'm trying to see what's going on with the flight. She said, oh, you missed your flight. I'm like, what? I missed the flight. So while I'm talking to her, this dude runs over to me, and it's like uh, this, yeah, this dude runs over to me, and by this time, it's like two other people in line, these two Edomites, they was trying to go to St. Louis too. They're waiting in line to see what's going on. So the dude runs over, tells us, hey, y'all trying to go to St. Louis? Yeah, yeah they held the plane for y'all. So we take off running to the other terminal we just came from, well, I just came from asking the girl about the flight who directed me to the other one. And we run over there. There's a girl there. She's trying to get us through. We finally make it through after she's looking at our boarding passes and all this. We get all the way down the ramp to the damn plane, and the damn door is closed. <laughs> the door closed, and, and they will not reopen the door. So we just ran way over here for nothing. 
so now the line that I just left from, I got to go back to that I was first in line talking to the lady. She was going to book me for a flight actually the next day. The next, uh, matter of fact, yeah, the same day, the same day, leaving at like nine. So I was interrupted and told to go back. So I got to go back. Now I'm the last person in line. And this is no lie, y'all, about 15 people that's the mistake flight and are going off. I mean, they are going to flip off. <laughs> they turned up. So I'm in line, and some girl comes to get me, and t- me and about the, the last three or four people that's behind me in line and takes us to another terminal. I'm thinking we going to get in a shorter line or we going to get weighed on first or whatever. She takes us from one line only to take us to another damn line. <laughs> I'm not making this up, y'all. True story. Another damn line. So I finally get up to my turn in line, and I'm like, "Hey, what's going on? I'm trying to get to St. Louis." She tells me, "Okay, we don't we have another flight, but it's not until tomorrow at six. At this point, I ain't trusting these people, and I'm like, "Look, man, I'm just in my mind. I'm like, let me just get back to San Antonio." But the only thing that's holding me up, y'all, I forgot to tell y'all this, is I looked for my luggage when I got there, and my luggage wasn't there, and I asked the people what was going on with my luggage. They told me my luggage was in St. Louis. It had already been shipped to St. Louis. The same luggage I ended up paying like $100 for, and it was supposed to be two ways, there and back. I'm apprehensive about coming straight to the crib, but I want to, but the only thing I'm, I'm tripping off of, like I said, I'm apprehensive about my luggage is in St. Louis. <laughs> so I'm like, was it, I'll just see if one of my relatives can pick it up and mail it to me, because at this point, I'm just trying to get back to San Antonio. So I asked the lady, hey, you got anything going to San Antonio? She said, she looked, she said, we ain't got nothing going to San Antonio until Tuesday. I'm like, oh, hell no. But I'm listening to the dude next to me, and the dude behind the counter is telling him they had something going to San Antonio that night at like 8 o'clock. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That ain't what he just told him. I'm ear hustling. So then she tells me, oh, that flight is full. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. Give me the St. Louis then. So the next flight was leaving out the next morning at 6 a.m. St. Louis. So I'm walking, mad as hell, and I'm just curious. So I go back to the terminal I was at before, and I asked the girl, hey, you got anything going to San Antonio? She was like, what do you mean, like today? I'm like, yeah, or tomorrow. What you got going to San Antonio? She said, yeah, we got a flight going out tonight at 8 o'clock, the same flight I just heard old boy get booked to. Now old girl's telling me his room on the flight. While she's telling me this, I'm like, well, can I get on that one? And there's a dude up there standing next to her. And she asked me, have you already been rebooked? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, I don't know since they already rebooked you. And then a dude say, oh, if you already been rebooked, then you can go to San Antonio, but it's going to cost you $100. I'm like, oh, hell no. So anyway, I just walked off. I ended up spending a, a night, another night in Vegas, like I said, with Kahan. The water again, brother, for your hospitality. 
And long story short, y'all, I had a horrible experience and got back to San Antonio. Uh, when did I get back? Monday? Yeah, I got back Monday. I was supposed to come back Tuesday, but anyway, that's a long story. Long story short, don't mess with Frontier Airlines. <laughs> All right. So let's get uh, Matthew chapter 6. In verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we should be praying, sending up, man, so we can get the hell up out of this demonic place. We should be sending this up on the daily, y'all, to get out. Now, if it's your first time tuning in, man, I usually do about an hour of news, and then I dive into the topic. Um, I want to send shouts out to our brother schools in VA, San Antonio, H-Town. Shouts out to uh, Cabo Cop down in Guatemala, our brothers out of ABQ. And uh, 12 tries worldwide, man. And happy Hanukkah, y'all. Happy Hanukkah. Yes, we are in Hanukkah season. Hanukkah lasts for eight days. It started, uh, what's the day? Tuesday. It started month, no, Sunday night. Sunday night uh, started Hanukkah, y'all. And I'm going to touch on Hanukkah a little bit here. Uh, we had a little uh, Hanukkah celebration for the first day at the Brother Badabad, uh New Event Center. Shouts out to Badabad. And it was good to see him. His family ain't seen him in a while, um, but really had a good time, man. I'm seeing a, uh, a lot of people that I ain't seen uh, in X amount of years. So, like I said, I seen Kahan. I seen my cousin I ain't seen in a couple of years. And actually hung out with my brother Karakazai on Saturday. Shouts out to him. And like I said, seeing Bada Bai and his family uh, that I hadn't seen in quite some time. So, uh praise to the most high in Christ, man, for that. Now let's get Psalm chapter one eighteen, verse twenty-four. Psalm one eighteen twenty-four. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, man. The most high brought you to it and bring you through it. You'll come out better on the other side because of it. This is the prayer that I had to give to myself when I was stuck in Vegas, man. Like tell the pop, pray. You always tell the people to pray, man. You gotta believe in this yourself. This is where the most high wants you to be right now. So, man, I calmed down and I accepted my situation. So, y'all, uh, I got this article I want to read. I ain't gonna really uh, get into it. I just want to make y'all aware of what's going on. So, read this article here. And tell them where you read from. From NBCNews.com. Doug Emhoff to convene White House Roundtable on anti-Semitism. He, he, so Doug Roundhouse is, uh, what's her damn name? Kamala Harris. Kamala. Kamala Harris's uh, husband, who is a, a fake Jew, an imposter. So he had a, a what they say it was? Roundtable. A roundtable discussion to do what? <clears throat> on anti-Semitism. On anti-Semitism, basically, that's a term used for anti-Hebrew Israelites. 
<laughs> That's what that is. So I want everybody to know, if you you're calling yourself an Israelite, we got a target on our back right now. I want us to understand this. Read on in that article. The second gentleman, Jewish, is holding the event as anti-Semitism hits record highs in modern U.S. history. Record highs. <laughs> you don't say. Because this is the age of the Great Awakening, and in light of current events by way of Kyrie Irving posting the uh, documentary linked to Hebrews and Negroes, and also, yay, on Drink Champ saying that we the true Jews, why you think people are waking up and finding out y'all ain't the true Jews? So what they're calling anti-Semitic is actually people waking up to the knowledge of the truth. And I say this, and I'm going to always say this, we are not anti-Semitic because we are ourselves Semitic. We're not anti-white, anti-other uh, nations or whatever. We're anti-lies, man. That's what we're against. We're against damn lies. But they are wholeheartedly for lies because they have to keep the uh, the lie going so people can believe that they are who they claim to be, which we know they are not, through historical proofs and the Bible, which is a history book, by the way. Read on. Reported December 5th, 2022 by Rebecca Shahad from, from Washington. Doug Imhoff is set to convene on a roundtable with Jewish leaders and other experts Wednesday to discuss the rise of anti-Semitism and efforts to counter hate nationwide. Now, when was this article uh, written? December 5th. So this is old, y'all. I actually wanted to get to this uh, last Tuesday, but, you know, I didn't do the show last Tuesday. Read. The White House announced Monday that the roundtable hosted by the second gentleman will include White House domestic policy advisor Susan Rice. Domestic, meaning what? That's dealing on the national level, y'all. So on a national level, we have a bull's eye on our back. They got to do something about those black, so-called black Hebrew Israelites because people are starting to listen to the truth. Read. Ambassador Deborah Lipstadt, special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism, and Keisha Lance Bottom, senior advisor to the president for public engagement. Keisha Lance who? Keisha Lance Bottom. That sounds like a nigga name to me. I've not seen her, but I'm willing to bet that's a nigga in the White House doing the bidding of our oppression. Read on. Lipstadt is one of the world's preeminent experts on the Holocaust and anti-Semitism. The advisory for the event didn't identify any other attendees yet, though it is said additional details would be provided later. No doubt. And this goes right along. Matter of fact, let me get this. I had this plan. I might go over, y'all. Psalms 83, 82 or 83. I always get those chapters mixed up. Let me get there. 83. 83. Uh, Psalm 83 and 1. Keep not thou, O God, hold not thy teeth, and be not still, O God. So this is a prayer that David was sending up. And David was prophesying, hold not thy teeth, be not still. So David wanted the most high to move on something. Read. 
For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And this is what he wanted David, uh, the most high, David wanted the most how to move on. He said, your enemies are making, are making the tumult. They're making a ruckus. Read. And they that hate thee have lifted up the heads. And remember it says that these people hate God. We're going to find out who he's talking about. Read. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. And these people have taken crafty counsel, meaning cunning or slick, skillful counsel against God's people, which are the Israelites, who we know to be historically the so-called black, uh, Latinos, and Native Americans. Read. And consulted against thy hidden ones. This, this is, they consulted, meaning what? They've, they've had roundtable discussions. <laughs> this ain't nothing new. They did it in the past, and they're currently doing it now, having roundtable discussions on what to do with us, how to, how to keep the world from knowing who we really are and who they ain't. Read. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. And this, this is how they've done it. It's no coincidence that us being uh, so-called minorities here in the States is synonymous, synonymous with poverty. It's synonymous with broken homes. It's synonymous with ghetto living. It's synonymous with uh, abortion clinics. synonymous with discrimination, synonymous with um, Baby daddy drama, baby mama drama. That is no coincidence, y'all. This is by design that we're, we, we suffer from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, from all we're going back all the way to slavery and then beyond. We're still getting uh, traumatized in this damn place. This is not a coincidence. It says, they have said, come let's cut them off of being a nation, and the first, the 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 the, uh, the number one way you can cut a people off from being a nation is to break up the family. And our families have been broken up. Like I said, this is why you got baby daddies and baby mamas, and why you got stepkids. This is why you got to combat with the baby daddy, the baby mama. Come on, man, this is not normal. We've grown accustomed to it in this damn place, but this ain't normal, y'all. To be divorced, to have a baby mama, baby dad, not normal. Read. That the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. They want to destroy us as a nation and as a people. Well, we like roaches, man. We don't die, we multiply. You know, going all the way back to Exodus when it said that the more that they afflicted us, Pharaoh afflicted us, the more we multiply. The same here, man. You can call it stress babies or whatever, but the fact is that we multiply. We did then, and we, we're still doing it now. Read on. For they have consulted together with one consent. And they're consulting together now on the hill. And what's the consent? Read. They are confederate against thee. They are all against us. All nations are against us. And this is the question I like to ask people when I read this. If all nations are going to be saved, then how is it that David said that all the nations are against us? That don't even make sense. Now you got to have a, a bad guy in the Bible. Everybody can't be the good guy. But religion will teach you that everybody's going to be saved, that everybody's going to make it. Everybody's going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya, my Lord. That is not biblical. 
That is not consistent with the narrative of the Bible. Read. The tabernacles of Edom. The first culprit that's named in this perpetration is the so-called white man, whose biblical name is historically Edom. And we proved that. Hell, this is the seventh part of this series, and I've done nothing but prove who he is. Read. And the Ishmaelites. The Arabs. Of Moab. The Chinese. And the Hagarines. The Africans. Gabal and Ammon. Japanese. And Amalek. The so-called white man. The, the Philistines. Palestine, the Arabs. With the inhabitants of Tyre. Africans. Ashur also is joined with them. They have hoping the children of Lot. All of these people, all these nations are confederate against us. It's like, I'm going to take a line from Tupac. He said, me against the world, but it's us against the world. Literally, y'all, the world hates us. This, this, the proof is in this article. Now, that's what I want to get from that, just to make us consciously aware that we have targets on our back now, y'all. All right, I'm going to jump into Hanukkah because uh, I only got like 30 minutes, and I'm definitely going to go over that. So before we even get into Hanukkah, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 1, y'all. Like I said, if it's your first time tuning in to Blog Talk, um, sponsored by Sword of Truth, ISBHPK, Bible Talk, uh, I do about an hour of current events and news, and then I dive into the topic at hand. So, where are we at? You want verse one? Yep. Jeremiah 10 and 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. So, who is he speaking to? O house of Israel. He's not speaking to all of the globe, the whole nation. He's speaking to the children of Israel. And he's going to give us some precise instructions, some precise uh, prohibited things that we should not be doing. Read. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Don't be like the heathen. Another word for heathen is Gentiles or nations. Those three words are synonymous with each other. They're interchangeable. So you can get that crap out of your head when you read and you stumble over the word Gentiles in the New Testament thinking that all the Gentiles can make it. It's a deeper, way deeper meaning than that. Go on. And be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. He said, don't be like the nations, like the heathens, like the Gentiles, and don't be dismayed at the signs of heaven. You know, like the sun or the moon. And I'm going this route, y'all, because that's the season that we're in right now The Christmas season, also known as the winter solstice, which, depending on what nation you're from, you worship the sun or you worship the moon. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. So the Most High told us, don't be like these nations. Don't do this. Read. For the heathen are dismayed at them. Read. For the customs of the people are vain. Worthless. Read. For one cutteth out a tree out of the forest. So somebody go cut a tree. This is what the nations do. They go cut a tree out the forest. Read. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. So they cut this tree out of the forest, and they put what on it? Silver and gold. 
They deck it. Remember, look at the terminology being used, man. They deck it with silver and with gold. What's that damn saying? Deck the halls with what? Bowser. Bowser Dolly. Fa la 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 la. This is not a coincidence, man, the terminology being used. So the most high can let us see if we have a clear mind and if we're chosen to actually see it. That this is talking about what holiday the world celebrates. This is Christmas, y'all. Read that part again. They deck it with silver and with gold. Read. They fasten it with nails. I'm sorry. They said they deck it with silver and gold. Remember that damn Bean Crosby song? Silver and gold. Silver and gold. It can't be talking about no other holiday but Christmas. No other pagan ritual Christmas, y'all. This is they deck it with silver and gold. Read on. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. So before the Christmas tree stand, you actually had to nail the tree to the floor with hammer and nails. This is before my time because I remember growing up, my mom and them had that artificial joint with the little Christmas tree stand. But before that, you would have to actually nail it to the floor. Read. They are upright as the palm tree. And you sit the tree upright. You don't lay it down. You sit it right up. And it says as the palm tree. Palm tree is is like an evergreen. So you sit this tree up upright like a palm tree. So it sits up nice and tall. And then it's the evergreen tree. It's evergreen. I mean, it doesn't turn brown, not even in the cold months. It's just always green. Read, telling us that this tree does not utter speech. It don't talk. You ask yourself, why is he saying this? Because the ritual of the heathen, the pagans, was that they would bring this tree gifts, presents, and they would actually talk to this tree. This is a deity, y'all. This is why he's saying is this tree does not talk. Read. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Born means to be moved. These trees don't talk. They don't move. You have to move them. The Most High is letting us know these trees are no gods. These trees are no powers. They're just trees. It reminds me of the story in the Apocrypha of Bell and the Dragon. If y'all get an opportunity, read that. It's a story in which Daniel proved to what nation was it? The person, the other. Their deity, Baal, is nothing more than just a statue and not a god. He mocks them. He's clowning them. Similar to what uh, Elijah did when you read the Kings. He's mocking their gods. That's it, right? No, there's more than that. Read. Be not afraid of them. For they cannot do evil. It says, don't be afraid of these damn trees because they can't do what? Evil. They can't do no evil. Read. Neither also is it in them to do good. These trees have no power. They're just trees, man. Trees. That's it. But to the nations, they're deities. 
Now we're going to get from Babylon to Timbuktu. I want you to get page 92. That book right there. The Two Babylons. The Papal Worship. It's not from Babylon to Timbuktu. I always get these mixed up. The title of the book is what? The Two Babylons. The Papal Worship proved to be the worship of Nimrod and his wife. This is... (laughs) Is the worship of Nimrod and his wife. Give him the author. By Reverend Alexander Hislop. A so-called Jew. All right. Page uh, 92. And I want you to start. I want you to start right here. We're going to jump back. Indeed, it is admitted by the most learned and candid writers of all parties that the date of our Lord's birth cannot be determined. Now, I got to get this because people will lie and tell you Jesus is the reason for the season. But this author is saying, read this part again. Indeed, it is admitted by the most learned and candid writers of all parties that the day of our Lord's birth cannot be determined. It can't be determined. Learned scholar said this. We know otherwise, but learned scholar saying it can't be the day of his birth cannot be determined. Read. And that within the Christian church, no such festival as Christmas was ever heard of till the third century. <laughs> what? Within the Christian church, no such festival as Christmas was ever heard of until the third century. So ask yourself, is Jesus the reason for the season? And he was born way before the third season, century. Then why the hell, or how the hell, are they saying that this Christmas, which was established when? 300 years later, (laughs) celebrating his birth. How is that? No, it's not. It don't make sense because it's made up. Pagan. Christ ain't got nothing to do with Christmas. That's blasphemy. Read. And that not till the fourth century was far advanced did it gain much observance. So the fourth century, everybody has started observing it. Read. How then did the Romish church fix on December the 25th as Christmas Day? Listen to this. Why thus long before? For the fourth century and long before the Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathens at that precise time of the year. A, ce- a celebration was celebrated amongst the heathen. We just got it in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. That's the festival they were celebrating way back then, before the birth of Christ. Read. In honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven, and it may what is the celebration commemorating? In honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven. That would be Nimrod. That's whose birth you're honoring. When you put that tree up, that's who you're honoring. Because the folklore around that is that Nimrod died and was reincarnated as a damn tree. And those gifts that you buying and breaking yourself, trying to buy your kids, lying about some damn Santa Claus, those gifts you putting up under that tree are in honor and worship of the God Nimrod. 
a pagan god, a pagan deity, why are you trying to claim that you're so Christ-like, but you got paganistic crap in your house, the mistletoe, which is actually Nimrod's genitalia, by the way, y'all. I don't know if y'all knew that. You're supposed to kiss. You're supposed to kiss the actual mistletoe, his genitalia, but then they twisted it and said, kiss up under the mistletoe. <laughs> so demonic and wicked, y'all. Read on. And it may fairly be presumed that in order to conciliate the heathen and to swell the number of nominal adherents of Christianity, the same festival was adopted by the Roman church. So what it's saying, y'all, what I've been saying is that paganism was woven in to Christianity. So now they're one and the same. And they did this so they can get numbers. You know, that's, that's how all the mega churches are. They are about numbers. They ain't about people actually learning about God and the Bible. This is about numbers. And this is why they incorporated paganism into Christianity so they can get more memberships, more people. The universal religion was born, you know? Giving it only the name of Christ. Tendency on the part of Christians to meet paganism halfway was very early was very early developed, and we find Tertullian even in his day about the year 230 bitterly lamenting the inconsistency of the disciples of Christ in this respect. <laughs> bitterly lamenting Tertullian is the cat that a lot of people like to try to bring up and quote like he's just the authority on biblical things. Well, he himself was a pagan. He was struggling with the disciples, I guess, because they didn't worship the the D.C. Nimrod. Read. And we find Tertullian, even in his day, about the year 230, bitterly lamenting the inconsistency of the disciples of Christ in this respect and contrasting it with the strict fidelity of the pagans to their own superstition. See, he was a damn pagan himself. Read. By us, says he, who are strangers to Sabbath. Because he said they were strangers to Sabbath. Because Christianity does not teach to keep the Sabbath. They say that the Sabbath is on Sunday, which is honoring the sun god. That's why it's on Sunday. Read. And new moons. And they don't keep the new moons, which is one of the days that we're supposed to observe. It's not a feast day, but it is a day that we're supposed to observe. Read on. And festivals. Once acceptable to God. And the festival is talking about what? The Sabbath, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost. Uh, I'm sorry, First Fruits is Pentecost. Um, Day of Atonement, Memorial of the Blowing of the Trumpet, uh, Feast of Tabernacle, Day of Atonement, all those feast days. He said that they were strangers to them because they pagans. They don't keep the Bible. They keep paganism. Read. 
the Saturnalia, the Feast of January, the Bramalia, and the Matronalia are oh. now frequented. The what's now frequented? Read that list again. The Saturnalia, the Feast of the January. Saturnalia. That's honoring the goddess Saturn. Well, that's where they get the, the name Saturn from. And then it says, what else? The Feast of January. The, the Feast of January. I don't know if y'all knew this, but January is a made-up month. They they actually added January to the calendar, which is not the first month of the year, by the way. All of this is pagan. Read. The Bramalia and the Matronalia are now frequented. Gifts are carried to and fro. New Year's Day. The, the gift-giving process, this is what it's all talking about, y'all. Ain't got nothing to do with Christ. And now it's talking about what? New Year's Day? New Year's Day presents are made with bin and sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. And this is why you have all the uh, college balls around this time of year. The feasting and the festivals, the route, the uh, revelry, the debauchery that goes on this time of year. All the Christmas parties that your job is having where coworkers are hooked up. And just lost their damn minds, and they come to work after the holidays like nothing ever happened. <laughs> this is what it's talking about. Read that part again. The gifts are carried to and fro. New Year's Day presents are made with bin, and sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. Sports and banquets. This is why you got all those Christmas Day games, basketball, football, the college balls, all of this. Read. Oh, how much more faithful are the heathen to their religion? It says that the heathen are more faithful to their religion, to their customs. <laughs> Read. Who takes special care to adopt no solemnity from the Christians. They ain't adopting nothing from Christianity. They doing them. Read. Upright men strove to stem the tide, but in spite of all their efforts, the apostasy went on. Till the church, with the exception of a small remnant, was submerged under pagan superstition. That Christmas was originally a pagan festival. A what? A pagan festival. Not biblical. We don't. Is beyond doubt. Oh. Is beyond all doubt. It's, wait, hold on. Wait. Read that again. That Christmas was originally a pagan festival is beyond all doubt. Two chops to the throat. Two chops to the damn throat. Killing them, man. You can't argue with this. These are facts. If, if you argue with this, just argue for the sake of arguing and bumping your guns, man. But your efforts are futile. It's in vain. Read. The time of the year and the ceremonies with which it is still celebrated prove its origin. <laughs> in Egypt, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the queen of heaven, was born at this very time. And the queen of heaven is mentioned all throughout the Bible, uh, specifically the books of Jeremiah. Y'all can go back and do that. I ain't got time to do it right now. You know. 
About the time of the winter solstice. About the time of what? The winter solstice. Like I told y'all, we're in the winter solstice right now. Read. The very name by which Christmas is popularly known among ourselves, Yule Day, proves at once its pagan and Babylonian origin. You see this? Christmas, Yule Day, winter solstice is all one and the same, y'all. Read. Yule is the Chaldee name for an infant or little child. Wow. What's that damn Christmas song? Yule, Yule Tide something. You know the, the song I'm talking about? Man, if y'all know it, somebody text me. It's a damn Christmas song with the word Yule in it. What song is that? I'm going to send you that article too, Devin. I just got your text. If y'all know the song, man, you, you'll tie something. Carol. You'll tie Carol. What song is that? That term period. I know what you're talking about. It's mentioned in a Christmas song, but that term period means Christmas song. So they make reference to other Christmas songs in Christmas songs. Okay. And there's a mention on one song, I forgot it. I forgot this. A Yuletide Carol. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing that we forgot these damn songs. (laughs) The scriptures talk about in uh, Romans chapter 12 that we, uh, the renewing of your mind. Yuletide Carol. Oh, Jingle Bell. No, wait a minute. He said he think it's Jingle Bell. You know, Jack the Halls. Jack the Halls. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, they make it. It's either that or damn Jingle Bell. It's one of them. Yeah, it's possible more than one. Thanks, cuz. All right, read on. And as the 25th... I had chestnuts, right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and as the 25th of December was called... Oh, man, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't just read past that. Cuz sent me the test that said chestnuts. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That reminds me of that joke Dolomite told. He said, uh, "I'm gonna tell it real quick." <laughs> he brought it up. Said, uh, "Girl, Taylor, she said, Daddy, if I had some nuts on the wall, what would they be called?" He said, "Walnuts." <laughs> he said, "If I had some nuts on the chest, what would they?" No, he asked her that. He said, see, he said, if I had some nuts on the wall, what would they be called? She said, walnuts. He said, well, if I had some nuts on the chest, what would they be called? She said, chestnuts, daddy. He said, no, you have a in your mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they they. They practice and preach this time of year about the chestnuts. And remember what I said about the mistletoe, y'all. It's synonymous with Nimrod's genitalia. So all of it links together. Read on. And as the 25th of December was called by our pagan Anglo-Saxon ancestors, Yule Day or the Child's Day, and the night that preceded it, Mother Night, long before they came in contact with Christianity. And this is where you get the damn song Silent Night from. 
Silent Night, Holy Night, uh, All Come, All Come, All Bride, Round the Virgin, all Mother and Child. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to forget it still. I got to work harder. <laughs> you know? That sufficiently proves its real character. Far and wide in the realms of paganism was this birthday observed. This festival has been commonly believed to have had only an astronomical character, referring simply to the completion of the sun's yearly course. What is this all about? The completion of the sun's yearly course. This is the worship of the sun, y'all. This is the winter solstice. Because remember, in the wintertime, y'all, we don't get a lot of sun. So this is the the, the, the sun hype going in to what they call hibernation or whatever, and then eventually coming back out. This is what they're celebrating. This is sun worship, like Sunday, sun worship. That the church say is the Sabbath, and it ain't. We don't. And the commencement of a new cycle. But there is indubitable evidence that the festival in question had a much higher reference than this that it commemorated not merely the figurative birthday of the sun in the renewal of its course, but the birthday of the grand deliverer among the Sabaeans of Arabia. So it's talking about the grand deliverer. (laughs) So they just switched it over to the, not the S-U-N, but the (laughs) S-O-N, the son of God, because Christ is the grand deliverer. You see how, how, Christianity is, is, is deceptive as hell. Read on. Among the Sabaeans of Arabia. Who now, were... when it talks about the Sabaeans, y'all, it's talking about the Arabs. So among the Arabs, the Ishmaelites, read. Who regarded the moon and not the sun. They worshiped the moon and not the sun. And proof is in, because what is the emblem or the flag of the nation of Islam? It's the damn half moon and the star. If y'all don't believe me, look it up. That's pagan. The, the Islamic religion is pagan. Look that flag up. Look it up. It's that half moon and the star. They worship the moon. They're pagans also. Read on. Who regarded the moon and not the sun as the visible symbol of the favorite object of their idolatry. The same period was observed as the birth festival. Thus we read in Stanley's Sabean philosophy on the 24th of the 10th month, that is December, according to our reckoning, the Arabians celebrated the birthday of the Lord. So they said, oh, we don't just call it the, the day the Lord was born. When actually, actually, they're celebrating the moon, their moon worship. Read on. That is the moon. The, the Lord moon was the great object of Arabian worship, and that Lord moon, according to them, was born on the 24th of December, which clearly shows that the birth which they celebrated had no necessary connection with the course of the sun. It is worthy of special note, too, that if Christmas Day among the ancient Saxons of this island was observed to celebrate the birth of any lord of the host of heaven, the case must have been precisely the same here as it was in Arabia. 
The Saxons, as it is well known, regarded the sun as a female divinity. And as the a female divinity, a goddess. That's page 90 what? 94. Oh, okay, good. I think we was going to make it. Go ahead. And the moon as a male. It must have been the birthday of the Lord's moon, therefore, and not the sun that was celebrated by them on the 25th of December, even as the birthday of the same Lord moon was observed by the Arabians on the 24th of December. The name of the Lord moon in the east seems to have been Minai, for this appears the most natural interpretation of the divine statement in Isaiah 11. But ye are they that forsake my holy mountains, that prepare a temple for Gad, and that furnish the drinking offering unto Menai. Now, this is, in Isaiah, this was the most high talking to us about our, our, our idolatry, which one of the main reasons we're here in captivity, and we've been through many captivities, because we kept worshiping and doing what he told us not to do in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. Which not be as which was not to be as the heathen, to be idolaters. There is reason to believe that God refers to the sun god, and that Menai, in like manner, designates the moon divinity. Nah, that's where he's off. Gad's talking about the tribe of Gad. So let's stay in this book and let's jump back to page ninety-two. Okay. Nah, let's stay in this book and jump back to page ninety-two. And now I want you to get, we started there, so now I want you to come up here where it talks about the birth of Christ. At the birth of Christ, every woman and child was to go to be taxed at the city. Now, so at the birth of Christ, every woman and man was to go to be taxed in the city. So let's get there, y'all. Hold this, and let's get Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. I hope that if y'all been tuning in to the show, to our shows, any significant amount of time that the one thing, the one thing y'all have learned and continue to learn and walk away with is that the Bible is first and foremost a history book, y'all. I hope if if y'all ain't getting nothing else, I hope y'all at least getting that. And if you don't understand the history of the Bible, you will never understand the Bible. You cannot read the Bible from a religious uh, lens because it's not a religious book at all. So we're going to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 1. Luke 2 and 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. A decree from who? Caesar Augustus. All right. This is history in the Bible, y'all. Did y'all pay attention to that, or y'all just read right over it? For you New Testament folks that just only want to read the New Testament, do you even know who the hell Caesar Augustus was? Well, let's, let, we're going to help you out. So we're reading from the Britannica.com. Read this. Augustus, also called Augustus Caesar, or until 27 BCE, Octavian, original name Gaius Octavius, adopted name Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus, Born September 23rd, 63 BCE. I know that's a lot to digest. So this Augustus Caesar is also known as Octavius Caesar, which so happens, y'all, was the longest reigning Caesar that Rome had. And he was the first 
Caesar of Rome, of the Roman, because um, it wasn't what they call it. Roman Empire? Yeah, the Roman Empire. Because before it became an empire and they had a Caesar or a king, it was a, a oh, come on, Dr. Paul. Uh, it was a republic. Yeah. It was a republic under Julius Caesar, which was a dictator. They don't say that he was the first Caesar of Rome. They call him a dictator. But instead, they say that Octavius or Augustus Caesar, who the month of August is named after, uh, by the way, they say he was the first Caesar. So this is what who we're reading about in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1. And what you just going to say? Uh, uh, did you read the Yeah, read it again. Augustus, also called Augustus Caesar, or until 27 BCE, Octavian, original name Gaius Octavius, adopted name Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus, born September 23, 63 BCE, died August 19, 14 CE, Nola, near Naples, Italy, first Roman emperor following the Republic which had been finally destroyed by the dictatorship of Julius Caesar. See, I ain't making this stuff up, y'all. So this is who we're reading about. All right, let's go back to Luke chapter 2. So this this is who Julius Caesar, I'm sorry, not Julius. This is who is talking about in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, read it again. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. So that's who Caesar Augustus was, y'all. Read that all the world should be taxed. All the world should be taxed. We know. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. I looked him up too. He was an actual character that existed. I advise y'all to do the same. This is history. Read. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So everybody had to go be taxed. And you had to go back to your own city to where you originated from to be taxed. Read. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So this is why you read in the scriptures, it tells you that Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem, Judah, which he was, but he lived in a city called Nazareth. That's why he was called a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. But a Nazarene, there is a difference. So they were going back to their original city so that they could be taxed. And who went with them? Read. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So what do you what do you what do you know? Mary traveled with him, and she was pregnant. And then when it says great with child, I guess she was in the last month of her pregnancy. Now let's go back to the book the two Babylons, and read that part again to show how this dude did his homework. Mm-hmm. At the birth of Christ, every woman and child was to go to be taxed at the city whereto they belonged. We just read that, right? In Luke. So he dug like say he did his homework. Read. Whither some had long journeys, but the middle of winter was not fitting for such a business. He said that the middle of winter was not fitting to be traveling. 
Yeah, I hope everybody understands this. Then the point he's making is how could Christ be born in the wintertime, in December? Because during his birth, everybody was traveling back to pay their taxes. So how the hell did this happen in the winter months? And it would make sense that if they really wanted, if, if uh, Caesar wanted that money, he wants them to get there. If they died in a tumultuous journey in the winter, they're not going to get there to pay taxes. They can't pay no dead. money. They're going to be dead. Read on. But the middle of winter was not fitting for such a business, especially for women with child and children to travel in. Therefore, Christ could not be born in the depth of winter. You see that? Read. Again, at the time of Christ's birth, the shepherds lay abroad, watching with their flocks in the nighttime. But this was not likely to be in the middle of the winter. It was what? It was not likely to be in the middle of winter. These shepherds were not watching their sheep in the middle middle of winter. Now, let's jump back to Luke. And let me see. No, we finished verse 5. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the shepherd's part we're just talking about right here. Eight. Here it is. Yeah, read that. Luke 2 and 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. The dude just mentioned this in the book. I hope everybody's seeing this. Now, what does the dude say in the book about the shepherds? Read that part again. Okay. Again, at the time of Christ's birth, the shepherds lay abroad, watching with their flocks in the nighttime. But this was not likely to be in the middle of winter. It wasn't in the middle of winter, read. And if any shall think the winter wind was not so extreme in these parts, let him remember the words of Christ in the gospel. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. If the winter was so bad a time to flee in, it seems no fit time for shepherds to lie in the fields in and women and children to travel in. Indeed, it is admitted by the most learned and candid writers of all parties that the day of our Lord's birth cannot be determined, and that within the Christian church no such festival as Christmas was ever heard of till the third century. Right, and we just read all of that. So long story short, he was not born in the wintertime. That's a lie. Now jump back up to Luke chapter 2 and go to verse 6 this time. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So while they was there in Bethlehem, she went into labor. Mary, read. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him swaddling clothes. Firstborn. Now, did y'all know that Christ was the oldest and he had siblings? Did y'all know that? Read. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this is where they get the whole nativity scene crap from. Laid him in the manger, and they said there wasn't no room for him in the end. Now, in their their mind, the Son of God is born in a born around some damn farm animals in the damn middle of winter, freezing. Come on, man, stop. 
And then they say, oh, see, there wasn't no room in the end. But keep reading. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. All right. Now hold this. And let me get it. Uh, Hold on for a second, y'all. So what we're going to do, we're going to get the same thing out of Matthew, y'all. Let's get Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 11. Now, remember, this is the same story, y'all. So you want to put the pieces together about Christ's birth. You have to read Matthew and Luke, but you got to read Luke first and put the two together. So now we're going to Matthew chapter 2, and start at verse, uh, let me see. Start of verse, uh, yes, start of verse 8. Matthew 2 and 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east before Went before them. Now, these were the wise men. They are today, right? Read on. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. And this star that they seen, this was a chariot, y'all, because we know stars don't move. Those so-called shooting stars, they're not stars at all. These are chariots, so-called unidentified uh, flying objects. Read. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they... When they were? And when they were come into the house... Now, remember, this is the same story from Luke. So the shepherds, you know, the shepherds, the the wise men, as they say, and they say it was three of them. They don't say nothing about no three of them in the scriptures. It just says wise men or either shepherds. So when these shepherds came into the what? The house. But I thought he was born in the born in the manger. Where did they come into... The house. They came into a house. Yeah. He was born in a house. Not in no damn born. Read. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, Christ was born in a house. The nativity scene is BS, y'all. Never happened. Now, look up manger for me real quick. Let's clear this up. Dictionary.
I'm sorry, y'all. I, did, I really didn't uh, plan on doing all of this, but the spirit is hitting me. And I'm saying this because we might not make it to the class, y'all. I'm sorry. Because I still, I ain't even got the Hanukkah yet. We just got, I'm trying to tear down that that uh, Christmas wall in our minds. Matter of fact, while she's looking that up, let me get this. I quoted it earlier, but I'm going to read it now. So this is Romans chapter 12 and verse, let me start at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. It says don't be conformed to this world. Don't go along to get along because everybody else doing it. Because this is what we do. Uh, everybody else doing it. I don't want to be a, a stick out like a soul thumb. I don't want to be left out the loop. I don't want to be looking like an oddball. So we just join in. But the scriptures is telling you, be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the rest of the world. Just because the rest of the world are pagans don't mean you be a damn pagan. It's like that old saying your mama used to tell you, for us old school people, us older people, if all your friends go jump off a bridge, you're going to go jump off too? It says, don't be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning what? Our minds have to be retaught. We got to get the nativity scene out of, my, out of our minds. We got to get Christmas and Christ being born on December 25th and the three wise men. We got to get all that fairy tale crap out of our minds. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So until we get this crap out of our mind, the most high, we can't accept the most high's word. We can't accept the scriptures. We can't accept the Bible. If we still got these fairy tales in our mind about Christmas and mistletoes and Christmas trees and silent night, holy night, we got to get it out of our mind, y'all. Like I said, I still got some left in my mind because I still remember a lot of these damn songs, which I hate I do. But we got to work hard to get this stuff out of our mind, as well as other things. Did you find that? Okay. We couldn't find a – they probably changed it. Anyway, y'all, major means crib. A major is a baby's crib, man. A baby's crib. So it ain't talking about no uh, trottle that animals eat out of. I know that is one of the definitions of major also. But the other definition is crib. All right, so we know Christ wasn't born on December 25th, and Christmas has nothing to do with Christ, so it ain't no Christ mass, it ain't no put the Christ back in Christmas, none of that crap. It has nothing to do with Christ. And we know Christ didn't celebrate it because he wasn't a pagan. Well, let's find out what he did celebrate. So let's get St. John chapter 10, verse 22. Once again, y'all, I may not, well, I ain't. I ain't gonna. I'm just, I ain't gonna say May. I ain't gonna make it to the topic, man. Because I'm still dealing with, Han- uh, with Hanukkah. Hey, what's up? And we in Hanukkah right now, so this is fitting. What'd you say? You got it. 10, John ten and twenty-two. 
and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. It says it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. So what is he talking about? <laughs> huh? If I only read the New Testament, I have no idea what's going on right here. It was the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. What is this talking of? All right, so we're going to go here. <clears throat> Matter of fact, read it again. We're going to read verse 23 because we got to put Christ on the scene because some people might say, well, let's say nothing about Christ was there. Read it again. Uh, 22? Yeah, okay. and then... Started, yeah, 22, we're going to read to 23. Okay. St. John 10 and 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And Christ was there. He walked in, in Solomon's porch. And this was the feast of dedication. So Christ was there keeping the feast of dedication. I hope everybody's seeing this. All right, so now we're going to go read this. Tell them where you at. From the JewishEncyclopedia.com. Kislu, the ninth month of the Jewish calendar corresponding to December. Now, this month, Kislu, is the actual month. And this is important. I want us to remember this. Read this again. Mm -hmm. The ninth month of the Jewish calendar corresponding to December. So, Kislu is December. It corresponds to December, the month of December. Read. It has either 29 or 30 days. In the Septuagint, Kislu is called Septuagint. In the Macedonian. Now, the Septuagint, y'all, or the Septuagint, is um, basically the Bible translated from Hebrew into Greek. Reading on? Kislu is twice mentioned in the Old Testament, namely in in Zechariah 7, 1, and Nehemiah 1, 1. On the, the 25th of Kislu, the Hanukkah festival commences. According to Second Maccabees 6, the festival was celebrated in the manner of the Feast of Tabernacles. By carrying branches and singing songs of praise, indeed, in Second Maccabees 9, the festival is specifically mentioned as the Feast of Tabernacles in the month of Kislu. According to Mishnah, the month of Kislu belongs to those six months in which messengers were sent out. See also First Macedonia. Josephus, Antiquities of Jews, 12, 7. Six right. Seven. So, and that's uh, First Maccabees is what that is. I think that's a... a Previation. Yeah. So, uh, what I wanted to take from this is that the month has is in December. All right? Now, remember what we just read, and we know December is the wintertime. What we just read in St. John chapter 10, verses 22 through 23, it said that Christ was at the Feast of the Dedication, and it was the winter time. So this is what Christ was celebrating. This is why he was there. 
All right, so let's get Second Maccabees now, chapter 2. And let's get into this. And we're going to start at uh, verse 19, y'all. Second Maccabees, chapter 2, verse 19. Now, as concerning Judas Maccabeus and his brethren and the purification of the great temple and the dedication of the altar. The what? Dedication of the altar. This is what Christ was celebrating. The dedication of the altar. This is Hanukkah, y'all. The word Hanukkah means dedication. Read. And the wars against Antiochus Epiphanes. And what I love about all our high, our high holy days is they they have significant meaning. So the meaning of Hanukkah was celebrating the wars that we won against Antiochus Epiphanes and his son. This is what it's talking about. This is what we're celebrating. Because they were trying to destroy, and they did destroy the Israelites. They destroyed a lot of us, man. We were on the brink of annihilation as a nation and as a people. They were terminating us like some damn roaches. This brother, Judas Maccabees, and his brother, even his father, they gave their lives to save our nation, man. And this is what we celebrate. Read on. And Jupiter, his son. And the manifest signs that came from heaven unto those that behaved themselves manfully to their honor for Judaism. So that being but a few, they overcame the whole country and chased barbarous multitudes and recovered again the temple renowned all over the world, all the world over, and freed the city and upheld the laws which were going down. The Lord being gracious unto them with all favor. With all favor. So this is what Hanukkah is about. This is what we're celebrating. Because it was unlawful to be a Jew. It was unlawful to worship in our land. Because the heathen, in which it's talking about, Antiochus, the Greeks, Edomites, they outlawed this. Read it on. Verse 23. All these things I say, being declared by Jason of Cyrene in five books, we will assay to a bridge in one volume. So the book of the Maccabees was originally five books. But this brother said, but we have to abridge into one volume. We have to make these five books one book. Read on. For considering the infinite number and the difficulty which they find that desire to look into the narrations of the story for the variety of the matter. He's saying it's a lot of information, and it was hard to condense it down to one volume. Read. We have been careful that they will read, that they that will read may have delight, and that they are desirous to commit to memory might have ease. It says that we will have delight. When we read this, we will be delightful, not delightful with the stuff we're about to read about the atrocities, but delighted that these brothers helped to save our nation. They're the reason we still exist, the most high, of course, using, using them as his instrument. But still these brothers are worthy of praise. So we, that we, we may have delight and that they 
or desirous to commit to memory might have ease. So we're supposed to commit all the things that we read about in the Maccabees to memory, man. We're not supposed to forget how we were almost annihilated as a nation and as a people. Read. And that all into whose hands it comes might might have profit. Mm-hmm. Therefore, to us that have taken upon us this painful labor of abridging, it was not easy, but a matter of sweat and watching. So he said it wasn't easy to condense five books into one, in which we know is two books, First and Second Maccabees, but he said it was originally meant to be one book. And what's so interesting about First and Second Maccabees is that Second Maccabees, y'all, when you read it, it actually is supposed to be read before First Maccabees because it, it paints the, the setting. But First Maccabees does also. And First Maccabees is like a reiteration of Second Maccabees. Read on. Even as it is, no ease unto him that prepareth a banquet and seeketh the benefit of others. Yet for the pleasuring of many, we will undertake gladly this great pain leaving to the author the exact handling of every particular and laboring to follow the rules of an abridgment. For as the master builder of a new house must care for the whole building, but he that undertaketh to set it out and paint it must seek out fit things for the adorning thereof, even so I think it is, it is with us. Really? To stand upon every point and go over things at large and to be curious in particular, belonging to the first author of the story. But to use brevity and avoid much laboring of the work is to be granted to him that will make an abridgment. Here then will we begin the story, only adding thus much to that which has been said, and it is a foolish thing to make a long prologue and to be short in the story itself. So he said, let me go ahead and get to the story, because I want to get all the details. I want us to understand also, y'all, that we had uh, scribes, you read about the scribes throughout the New Testament, but we had scribes all throughout our history, and it wasn't, it was, so it was uh, official scribes, and it was unofficial scribes, which would write down the happenings of the time. So they will, we would record a lot of things. So what this brother is basically saying is that they had to compile all this information together from reliable scribes, sort out what was factual, what was not factual, and then condense it down to one book. All right. Now, uh, so we're going to jump to, yeah, keep reading, chapter 3. Now, when the holy city was inhabited with all peace and the laws were kept very well because of the godliness of Onias, the high priest, and his hatred of wickedness, it came to pass that even the kings themselves did honor the place and magnify the temple with their best gifts. It says the kings honored the place so the other nations used to honor the temple and then they would send gifts even it's going to prove it read on in so much that Seleucus king of Asia of his own revenues bear all the costs belonging to the service of the sacrifices you see this Seleucus sent money for the sacrifices of the temple I ain't going to get it man because I really don't have time but you read in the in the Josephus how how Alexander 
came, Alexander the Great came against Jerusalem, and his first mind was to destroy the city because they didn't pay taxes. They didn't pay tribute to him because we were paying tribute at the time to the Persian Mede Empire, Darius and Cyrus men, and we didn't want to go against that. So Alexander came to the city to destroy it, and then he found us in, in a procession that was so beautiful that it shook him. And then he had to come down and look at the priestly garments and stuff, and then the priest took him into the temple. They read to him out of the scriptures showing him that he was the uh, leopard that Daniel talked about in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 2, and he was he was in awe. And he decided not to destroy us, and he started worshiping our God. So, And Sir Lucius was one of his generals that took over after he died, and he kept that going. He kept the temple going and actually was paying for the cost of the sacrifices that was in the temple. And I'm going to cover a little bit of that. Read on uh, verse 4. But one Simon of the tribe of Benjamin, who was made governor of the temple, fell out with the high priest about disorder in the city. This dude, Simon, he fell out uh, with the priest, Onias. Him and him had a him and Onias had a fallen out, read. And when he could not overcome Onias, he got him to Apol- Apollonius, the son of Thraces, who then was governor of Seleucia and Finis, and told him that the treasury in Jerusalem was full of infinite sums of money, so that the multitude of their riches, which did not pertain to the account of the sacrifices, was innumerable, and that it was possible to bring all into the king's hands. So this sellout, nigga, Simon, he went and told the king of the providence that was over us at the time, hey, man, you know they got money all in that temple, right? We know. Now when Apollonius came to the king and had shewed him of the money whereof he was told, the king chose Heliodorus, his treasurer, and sent him with a commandment to bring him the foresaid money. So forth, Lodorius took his journey under a color of visiting the cities of Seleucia and Thinis, but indeed to fulfill the king's purpose. And when he was come to Jerusalem and had been courteously received of the high priest of the city, he told him what intelligence was given of the money. He told him the information that he got. Hey, man, I heard that there was money in that temple. Read. And declared wherefore he came and asked if these things were so indeed. Do y'all really got money in there? Read. Then the high priest told him that there was such money laid up for the relief of widows and fatherless children. He's like, yeah, we got money, but that money is for the widows and the fatherless children, not us. Read. And that some of it belongs to Hyrcanus, the son of Tobias, a man of great dignity, and not as that wicked Simon had misinformed. The sum whereof in all was 400 talents of silver and 200 of gold, and that it was altogether impossible that such wrongs should be done unto them that had had committed it to the holiness of the place and to the majesty and the inviolable sanctity of the temple honored over all the world. He's like, man, we can't get his money to you, read. 13. 13. 
But Heliodorus, because of the king's commandment given him, said that in any wise it must be brought into the king's treasure. He said, no, I got to take this money. The king told me to come get it. on. So at the day which he appointed, he entered in to order this matter. Wherefore, there was no small agony throughout the whole city. Our people were tore up about this, man. Read. But the priests, prostrating themselves before the altar in their priest's vestments, called unto heaven upon him that made a law concerning things given to be kept. So the priests start praying to the Mosai. Read. That they should safely be preserved for such as had committed them to be kept. Read. Then who had looked at looked the high priest in the face, it would have wounded his heart. For his countenance and the changing of his color declared the inward agony of his mind. So our people, man, really cared. Once upon a time, we really cared for each other. We understood that this money was going to be used for good, but now it's being taken away. And this hurt the priest. Read on. For the man was so compassed with fear and horror of the body that it was manifest to them that looked upon him what sorrow he had now in his heart. So his emotions was all over his face. Read. Others ran flocking out of their houses to the general supplication because the place was like to come into contempt. And the women, girt with sackcloth under their breasts, abounded in the streets. And the virgins that were kept in, kept in ran, some to the gates and some to the walls, and others looked out of, the, out of the windows. And all, holding their hands toward heaven, made supplication. So all eyes was on the temple, man, and everybody was praying to the Most High for this not to happen. Read. Then it would have pitied a man to see the falling down of the multitude of all sorts and the fear of the high priest being in such an agony. Then they called upon the Almighty Lord to, <clears throat> to keep things committed of trust safe and sure for those that had committed them. Nevertheless, Heliodorus executed that which was decreed. So the dude, even though he see the whole city lamenting and going through changes, he like, man, I got to do what the king told me to do. Read. Now, as he was there present himself with his guard about the treasury, the Lord of Spirits and the Prince of all power caused a great apparition so that all that presumed to come in with him were astonished at the power of God and fainted and were sore afraid. Now, let's look at the word apparition. That's a big fancy word, so we're going to look it up. We're going to see what this apparition was. What does it mean? Apparition, an unusual or unexpected sight, a ghostly figure. A what? Ghostly figure. A ghost, a spirit. So the Most High had a spirit appear in the temple. You don't believe me? Let's keep reading. Verse 25, for there appeared unto them an horse with a terrible rider upon him and adorned with a very fair covering. And he ran fiercely and smote at Heliodorus. This was an angel on a horse. This is a terrible rider upon him. And he went and he smote this dude. He hit this dude. We read. With his forefeet. <laughs> With his forefeet. I guess he kicked him. Read. And it seemed that he, that he that sat upon the horse had complete harness 
gold, of gold. Moreover, two other young men appeared before him, notable in strength. Two more angels. Three. Excellent in beauty and comely in apparel, who stood by him on either side and scourged him continually. So these angels showed up and they started beating this dude butt. They was whooping on him. Read. And gave him many sore stripes. Read on. And Heliodorus fell suddenly unto the ground and was compassed with great darkness. But they that were with him took him up and put him into a litter. Thus, him that lately came with a great train and with all his guard into the said treasury they carried out, being unable to help himself with his weapons. He could, his weapon was no good against these angels that was whooping his butt. Read. And manifestly they acknowledged the power of God. And these heathen, these people from another nation, we talking about the Greek nation, they was like, oh, man, they God is bad. There is one true God, and it's they God. Read. For he, by the hand of God, was cast down and lay speechless without all hope of life. This dude was on the verge of dying. He just got whooped on by some angels. Read. But they praised the Lord that they had miraculously honored his own place. For the temple, which a little afore was full of fear and trouble, when the Almighty Lord appeared, was filled with joy and gladness. <laughs> so the people went from sadness to gladness. We went from crying and, and mourning to now we cheering and laughing. Like, yeah, the most I got him. <laughs> Read. Then straightway certain of Heliodorus' friends prayed Onias that he would call upon the most high to grant him his life. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the people that came with this dude, what's his name again? Philodorus. They was like, hey, man, can y'all pray for this dude and ask y'all God to heal him, to not take his life? Read. Who lay ready to give up the ghost. This dude is ready to die. Read. So the high priest, suspecting lest the king should misconceived that some treachery had been done to Heliodorus by the Jews, offered a sacrifice for the health of the man. So the high priest, he was smart. Onias, he's like, man, look, if this dude dies, then these heathen going to come against us thinking that we did something to him. So let me go and get this dude back together. So he go back and tell his people what's up. It wasn't us that did it to him. It was the most hot. Read. Verse 33. Now as the high priest was making an atonement, the same young men in the same clothing appeared and stood beside Heliodorus, saying. So the angels showed up again. Read. Give Onias, the high priest, great thanks. In so much as his, for his sake, the Lord has granted thee life. So the angels showed up and they told us to Heliodorus, man, you better be thanking this high priest. You better be thanking him that. He called us up off of you. you, the, you the, the high priest is the only reason you're going to leave here today with your life. You better thank him. Read. And seeing that thou hast been scourged from heaven, declare unto all men the mighty power of God. Go back and tell your superiors that God did this to you. No, it wasn't the Israelite people. It was their God that did this to you. Read. And when they had mighty, and when they had spoken these words, they appeared no more. And the angels left. Read. 
So Heliodorus, after he had offered sacrifice unto the Lord and made great vows unto him that had saved his life and saluted Onias, returned with his host to the king. So he, he gave Onias his, his props, thanked him, and went back to his king. Read. Then testified he to all men the works of the great God, which he had seen with his eyes. And he let it be known. Hey, man, the Hebrew God, that's a bad God, man. He's the only God. Y'all, y'all better not mess with these people or they God. Read. And when the king asked Heliodorus, who might be a fit man to be sent yet once again to Jerusalem, he said. This, now, this king was still determined to get the damn money. I mean, you see how these heathen is? They don't, all they care about is money. Now, you just seen what, and seen and heard what this dude told you. If thou hast any enemy or traitor, send him thither, <laughs> and thou shalt receive him well scourged. Say, hold up, man. If you got somebody you don't like, you got a traitor, send him. <laughs> you sure you want to get back at him? You got to lift the finger. Send him to get that money. Read. If he escape with his life, for in that place, no doubt, there is an especial power of God. God is truly there. God is truly with the Hebrew people. Read. For he that dwelleth in heaven hath his eye on that place and defendeth it. Oof. And he beateth and destroyeth them that come to hurt it. <laughs> How did he know? He did the research. First-hand information. Read. And the things concerning Heliodorus and the keeping of the treasury fell out on this sort. So this is what happened. Now, we're going to jump down to uh, chapter 4. Yeah, chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 7, y'all. So same book, still Second Maccabees, chapter 4, verse 7. But after the death of Seleucus, when, the, when Antiochus called Epiphanes, took the kingdom. Now. So after Sir Lucius died, then you had Antiochus Epiphanes came into the picture. He took the throne. Read. Jason, the brother of Onias, labored underhand to be high priest. So Onias had a brother named Jason, Jason that was on the low trying to get his position. Now I'm reading this, y'all, because in the chapter, the previous chapter, we read how Simon was a sellout, sell out his own people. Now we're going to read about another sellout. And this, y'all, these two events is how Hanukkah actually came into place. This is how the uh, annihilation of our people actually happened based off these two niggas and these two events. Promising unto the king by intercession 303 score talents of silver. You see what this dude is doing? Now he, this dude, Onias' brother Jason, is offering the king some money. Read. And of another revenue, 80 talents. Besides this, he promised to assign 150 more if he might have license to set him up a place for exercise. And what did Jason want? Open up again. He wanted to open up a place of exercise, also known as a gym. Read. And for the training up of youth in the fashions of the heathen. And he wanted to train up the youth, the youth of our people, and so they could act like heathens. Read. 
and to write them of Jerusalem by the name of Antiochians. And now they want it to be called what? Antiochians. Antiochians. You see, they didn't even want to be called Israelites no more. They wanted to be called Antiochians. And remember, he said he wanted to open up a place of exercise. Y'all remember that? Now watch this. So we're going to look up the word gymnos. Hey, let me go here. Gymnos. No, right here. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Boom, I ain't have to go there. All right, y'all. So they say he wanted to open up a place of exercise. So a place of exercise, we know it as a gym. The root word for the word gym is gymnos. Read this. From inside the games.biz, the word gymnasium comes from the Greek root gymnos, meaning nude. What does that word mean? Nude. Nude. So what did this Hebrew Israelite trader sellout wanted to open up for the people? A new gym or a gym. So we could walk around naked working out. Read the rest of this. Athletes in the ancient Olympic Games would participate in the nude. And this is what they used to participate in the Olympics in, in their birthday suits. But this is what we wanted to do. And remember what the Most High told us, learn not to wear the heathen. But now we're trying to be like the heathen. And this is the spirit of the gym, y'all. Even this day and age, when you go to the gym, you see people what? In there half naked, wearing a little bit of nothing. Brothers with the uh, them gay man, them things look gay. Them gay uh, spaghetti spaghetti strap uh, wife beaters they be having on that cut that's cut down on the side that show all they they rib cage and all of that butt naked. The the women with the little bitty shorts on crawling up their crack. This is the spirit of the gym. This is what it means. Means to be naked. I hope I hope y'all are getting this. I hope everybody's understanding. Hold on for a second. I got to take a break.
Hey, I'm sorry. I'm back. All right. So um, we're at the gymnasium. Now, I want us to understand this also. So let's go to Maccabees chapter one, y'all. Got a bit of history that we have to touch on. So let's go to First Maccabees chapter one and start at verse one. First Maccabees one and one, and it happened after that Alexander, son of Philip the Macedonian, who came out of the land of Chetim. Now, this is talking about Alexander the Great. What do you know? Alexander the Great is in the Bible. Did you know that? I told y'all the Bible history book. So it says, and it happened after Alexander, the son of Philip, this is Philip the Macedonian, Alexander's father, that's credited with uniting uh, the heathen tribes, the Edomites, because they were fighting amongst each other. It says, who came out of the land of Chisholm. Chisholm is present-day Italy. Read. Had smitten Darius, king of the Persians, and Medes, that he reigned in his stead the first over Greece. These are historical events because before the Greeks came into power, you had the Persian Medes that came into power. This is broken down in Daniel, the seventh chapter, y'all, and chapter two of Daniel. So the first over the Greeks, read. And made many wars and won many strongholds and slew the kings of the earth mm-hmm. and went through to the ends of the earth and took spoils of many nations insomuch that the earth was quiet before him, whereupon he was exalted and his heart was lifted up. Mm-hmm. And he gathered a mighty strong host and ruled over countries and nations and kings who became tributaries unto him. Mm-hmm. And after these things, he fell sick and perceived that he should die. So Alexander got sick and he died. Y'all go back and watch that movie, uh, Alexander. Uh, they got a lot of stuff right. So he died and he died at a young age, read. Wherefore, he called his servants, such as were honorable and had been brought up with him, from his youth, and parted his kingdom among them. So Alexander dies, and he parted his kingdom. He divided his kingdom up amongst his four generals. Let me get this real quick. Um, the four generals that Alexander had in their, uh, the, the parts that was divided and given to them. So his four generals, Hellspont consists of Greece, and Macedonia, which he gave to Cassandra, Cassander, Thrace and Bithynia, he gave to Lacamacus. Egypt belongs to uh, Ptolemy. Uh, Asia, including Israel, Syria, and Babylon, was given to Seleucus. And Seleucus' dynasty is the dynasty that we're going to deal with right here in uh, Maccabees. That's the dynasty that Antiochus Epiphanes came out of. So now I want you to, uh... yeah, keep reading. Wherefore he called his servants, such as were honorable, and had been brought up with him from his youth, and parted his kingdom among them mm-hmm. while he was yet alive. Uh-huh. So Alexander reigned. 12 years and then died Mm -hmm. and his servants bear rule everyone in his place Mm -hmm. and after his death they all put crowns upon themselves so did their sons after them many years and Mm -hmm. evils were multiplied in the earth and there came out of them a wicked root Antiochus 
surnamed Epiphanes, son of Antiochus the king. Now, this is also talked about in Daniel the 8th chapter, Antiochus Epiphany being that wicked root, referred to as a little horn in uh, Daniel, the 8th chapter. So this is Antiochus Epiphany. Now, this is Antiochus the fourth is the one we're talking about, because it was a whole bunch of Antiochus, man. That's what the Greeks would do. They would just name their sons and their sons' sons after them. So you got to do some real extensive research to find out which one they, they, they take, that they're talking about. But this is Antiochus Epiphany the fourth. Read. Who had been a hostage at Rome, and he reigned in the 137th year of the kingdom of the Greeks. Mm-hmm. In those days went there out of Israel wicked men who persuaded many, saying, Let us go and make a covenant with the heathen that are round about us. For since we departed from them, we have had much sorrow. So it was a lot of sellouts during these days that we're reading. We read, we read already about Simon and about Jason. Say, so let's make a contract with these heathen. Read. So this device pleased them well. Mm-hmm. Then certain of the people were so forward herein that they went to the king who gave them license to do after the ordinances of the heathen. Mm-hmm. Whereupon they built a place of exercise at Jerusalem according to the customs of the heathen. It's the same thing we just read in Second Maccabees. I remember about Jason. He building that place of exercise. This is what it's talking about. Read. And made themselves uncircumcised. Now, how would you know they were uncircumcised? Unless they was what? Naked. And you could actually see they ride and see that <laughs> they wasn't circumcised no more. I hope everybody's seeing this. This goes hand in hand with the definition of gym, gymnasium or gymnos we just brought up. Read. And forsook the holy covenant and joined themselves to the heathen and were sold to do mischief. So, like I said, we were on the break of annihilation in the fact that we were being what's called Hellenized, and we're going to get to how the heathen started killing us. Now, you got the definition for Hellenized or Hellenization? Hellenism, the national character or culture of Greece, especially ancient Greece, the study or imitation of ancient Greek culture. So the whole world was Hellenized under Alexander, and then Antiochus, who also was a Greek, came in, and he took it to the next level and Hellenized us. This is why even to this day and age, y'all, you got our people running around pledging that fraternities and sororities talking about they damn Greeks. This ain't nothing new. This started way back then. The Alphas, the Omegas, the Qs, and the Kappas, and all the Deltas, the AKAs. Our people still doing this madness. And my cousin was telling me that somebody made a video video or article where you got these people coming out now, these sororities and fraternity members, speaking against their frat, saying that it's demonic, saying that it's devil worshiping. This is true because this is what the nations did. So Hellenization was going on during this same time period. So read verse 16. Now when the kingdom was established before Antiochus, he thought to reign over Egypt, that he might have the dominion of two realms. Okay, so he wanted to take over Egypt, which was uh, Ptolemy's um, kingdom. He reigned there. 
Now, let's jump. Uh, let me see. Yeah, let's go back. Hold this. We're going to jump back to uh, 2 Maccabees chapter 2. I mean, 2 Maccabees chapter 4 we were in, right? Mm-hmm. And what verse were we in? Were we 4 or 5? We were in chapter 4, and we were at verse number 9, I think. About okay. Now. Read that. <clears throat> Besides this, he promised to assign 150 more if he might have license to set him up a place for exercise. And once again, I was talking about Jason, the sellout, and Ananias' brother, who wanted to be the high priest. Read. And for the training up of youth in the fashions of the heathen, and to write them of Jerusalem by the name of Antiochus, mm-hmm. which when the king had granted... They ain't Israelites. They ain't Israelites. They Antiochus. That's the 92nd mark, y'all, but we're going to keep going. So a lot of y'all might get cut off. I don't know how it works. Is the, the phone cut off or the internet cut off. We're going to keep going, though. If you get cut off, man, try to call back in or catch the archive show. Read. Which when the king had granted and he had gotten into his hands, the rule, he forthwith brought his own nation to the Greekish fashion. So he brought us to the Greekish fashion. He Hellenized us. He was successful in Hellenizing us. Read. And the royal privileges granted a special favor to the Jews by the means of John, the father of Eupolemus, who went and who went ambassador to Rome for amity and aid. He took away and putting down the governments which were according to the law. He put down our governments. So we no longer were in charge or allowed to practice our laws. Read. He brought up new customs against the law. Mm -hmm. For he built gladly a place of exercise under the tower itself. Another gym. Read. And brought the chief young men under his subjection and made them wear a hat. He made them wear a what? A hat. All right, y'all. We're going to find what it was that he made us wear. All right. So read this and tell them where you at. From Wikipedia, Pedasos. And big big shout out to uh, Deacon Athan for this. A Pedasos or Pedasus is a broad-brimmed hat of Thessalian origin worn by ancient Greeks. Thracians and Etruscans, often in combination with the Clamus cape. So this was the hat that Jason made our brothers and sisters wear, specifically our young men. Read. It was made of wool, felt, leather, straw, or animal skin. Women. What, now, what does this hat sound like, y'all? Wool, felt, leather, straw. <laughs> Think about it, brothers. It's a fedora hat. That's what he's talking about. Now, that's what we know it as now, right? But they had them back then. But it gets even more specific on the, the description of the hat. Read on. Women's versions had high had a high crown, while those for men featured a lower crown. So women used to wear this hat, too. And that's why you see this day and age, women still wearing hats. Read. It was worn primarily by farmers, travelers, and hunters, and was considered characteristic of rural people. Now, this is the reason it was worn by hunters. Read. Elite Greek men generally chose not to wear hats. As a winged hat, it became the symbol of Hermes. As a what hat? Winged 
hat. So this hat had wings on it. You know, wings of a bird, which are feathers. When you wear a fedora, what's in the brim of the hat? Feathers. (laughs) Everything has meaning, y'all. Nothing new under the sun. So this hat had wings on it. Back in the day, the hat had wings on both sides. And this is also the hat you see. If y'all watch the uh, series on, I forgot which network it's on. The series The Flash, it's on Netflix, but it originally aired on a, some network. I forget which, forget which network. But they had an episode. Matter of fact, the the Flash that they got on there in the red suit, on the top of his little mask, he's got uh, feathers on both sides, wings on both sides of his little hat that he got. Now, when they did the uh, the retro flash, he actually had the hat that the god, the god Hermes wears. That that hat, what did they call him, Old Flash, or he was from a different dimension or something? But he actually had that damn hat on, the actual hat of the god Hermes. And this is the same god that they turned into a fashion um, icon, Hermes. It's the same thing. (laughs) Same thing, y'all. Read on. As a winged hat, it became the symbol of Hermes, the Greek mythological messenger god. Right. Now, Hermes... We're going to read what, what he stood for. Read this. From Wikipedia, Hermes is an Olympian deity in ancient Greek religion and mythology. Hermes is considered the herald of the gods. He is also considered the protector of human heralds, travelers, merchants, and orators. <laughs> He's the god of what? He's considered the protector of human heralds, travelers, thieves, merchants, and orators. He is able to move quickly and freely between the worlds of the mortal and the divine, aided by his winged sandals. Hermes plays the role of the... Now, remember, it said his winged sandals. So he also had wings on his sandals, and these same wings was on his hat. The hat that Jason was making us wear. So Jason was leading us into idolatry, y'all. Rion. Hermes plays the role of the psychopomp or soul guide, a conductor of souls into the afterlife. Y'all see this? This is witchcraft, man. All right, that's all we're going to get from that. Now jump back to Second uh, Maccabee. Verse 13. Now such was the height of Greek fashions and increase in heathenism. Now, now what was the height of Greek fashion? Their hat. We just read it. <laughs> How the Greeks were worded. This was a fashion statement for them. Read. And increase of heathenish manners through the exceeding profaneness of Jason, that ungodly wretch and no high priest. It says that Jason was not a high priest. 
This dude went ham on him. That ungodly wretch and no high priest. Whoever wrote this said this was malice. Like, well, I hate that nigga. <laughs> Read. That the priest had no courage to serve anymore at the altar. Mm-hmm. But despising the temple and neglecting the sacrifices, had so hate. The priests didn't even like doing their job no more. They didn't like going to the temple. And, and they neglected to do the offer the sacrifices. Read. Hasten to be partakers of the unlawful allowance in the place of exercise after the game of discus called them forth. They was too busy in the gym playing the game of discus, you know, playing the sports like brothers now. All brothers want to do is what? Play sports. That's the way out the hood. That's the way out the ghetto, right? What, what did Papa say? You either sell crack or you got a wicked jump shot or something like that. That's what's going to get you out the hood, out the ghetto. All they want to do is have a ball in their hand, a ball or a bat or some type of sport. It's nothing new, y'all. It's still going on right now. Read. Not setting by the honors of their fathers, but liking the glory of the Grecians best of all. Then like the honors of our, the honors of our father, fathers was to honor the most high and keep the law. But our people prefer to be like the nations. So when it says Grecians, it's talking about the nations, man. Once again, Hellenism. It's talking about being an idolater, celebrating and worshiping these things. Now I want I don't want brothers to walk away from this and be like, oh man, we shouldn't be wearing hats. No, nah, man, it's cool if you want to wear a hat. But understand, don't be worshiping the hat. Don't be worshiping the deity that the hat represents. I don't want us to be uh overrighteous. Read on. By reason whereof sore calamity came upon them, for they had they had them to be their enemies and avengers. So why did these calamities come upon us? Because we wanted to be like the heathen. The most high don't like this. This is why we're in captivity now. Read. Whose customs they followed so earnestly, and unto whom they desired to be like in all things. For it is not a light thing to do wickedly against the laws of God. But the time following shall declare these things. Now, when the game that was used every fifth year was kept at Tyrus, the king being present. Now, what games are still kept every five years, y'all? Come on, y'all. Well, they do it every four years now. I'm going to give y'all time. It's the Olympic Games, y'all. So they used to keep them every five years, but I'm told they do it every four years now. I guess they're trying to throw the scriptures off. <laughs> Come on, man. Read. This ungracious Jason sent special messengers from Jerusalem who were Antiochians to carry 300 drachms of silver. Who was Antiochians. Remember the, uh, the book of Acts where it talked about the providence of Antioch. This is how this is one of the clues that lets you know, including what we're reading about Hanukkah, that the apocrypha is part of the Bible, man. All of it go hand in hand. All of it's history. Read. Three hundred drachms of silver to the sacrifice of Hercules. So these Israelites, niggas, were celebrating Hercules. 
another Greek deity. This is all Greek mythology, man. That's why we still caught up in that crap to this day. Read. Which even the bearers thereof thought fit not to bestow upon the sacrifice. Meaning that the, the other nations, they wouldn't give as much as we was given to their deities. Read. Because it was not convenient, but <laughs> to be reserved for other charges. So they even had sense enough to say, hey, we can save this money for something else. We ain't got to give it all to our God. All right, now jump back, First Maccabees, chapter 1. And verse 20. First Maccabees chapter 1 and verse 20. Because we already read about the wickedness that we was getting into. And this was the repercussions or the punishment that the Most High had deemed fit for us because we was trying to be like the other nations. Read this. And after that Antiochus had smitten Egypt, he returned again in the 143rd year and went up against Israel and Jerusalem with a great multitude. So after he got Egypt, dealing with um, with Ptolemy them, he said, man, I'm going to go and get Jerusalem now. So he came in with a great army, read. And entered proudly into the sanctuary and took away the golden altar and the candlestick of light and all the vessels thereof and the table of the showbread and the pouring vessels and the vials and the censers of gold, and the veil, and the crowns, and the gold ornaments that were before the temple, all which he pulled off. He took also the silver and the gold, the precious vessels. Also he took the hidden treasures which he found. So all the the rumors about it being gold and and riches in the temple, he found them and took them. And remember, uh, what did it do with Heliodorus? The Most High sent angels to kill him for trying to mess with the treasure. Why the Most High didn't send no angels now? Because we was wicked. We was off. Read. And when he had taken all away, he went into his own land, having made a great massacre and spoken very proudly. He massacred us. Read. Therefore, there was great mourning in Israel, in every place where they were. So that the princes and elders mourned, the virgins and young men were made feeble, and the beauty of women was changed. Sorry, I tried to read. Every bridegroom took up lamentation, and she sat in the marriage chamber, and she that sat in the marriage chamber was in heaviness. The land also was moved for in the inhabit for the inhabitants thereof, and all the house of Jacob was covered with confusion. Mm. And after two years fully expired, the king sent his chief collector of tribute unto the cities of Judah, who came unto Jerusalem with a great multitude, and spake peaceable words unto them. But all was deceit. Now, jump down to verse 37. Thus they shed innocent blood on every side of the sanctuary and defiled it. This is our temple. They killed people. They killed us in the temple, and they defiled the temple. Read. Verse 38. 38. Insomuch as the inhabitants of Jerusalem fled because of them, whereupon the city was made an habitation of strangers and became strange to those that were born in her, and her own children left her. So what we did was we went underground, y'all, in the catacombs. We had to hide out. Read. 
Her sanctuary was laid waste like a wilderness. Her feasts were turned into mourning, her Sabbaths into reproach, her honor into contempt. As had been her glory, so was her dishonor increased, and her excellency was turned into mourning. It's talking about us, our land. Read. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people, mm-hmm. and everyone should leave his laws. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. You see, he said, we're going to be one people. Where else do they preach this at? The, the, the horrified U.S. of A. Read. Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion. Just like here. Many of, of the Israelites consented, sold out. What's the word they use? Uh, assimilated. Read. Mm-hmm. And sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. And we went into idolatry. Read. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem. And the cities of Judah, that they should follow the strange laws of the land, and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifice and drink offerings in the temple, and that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days, and pollute the sanctuary and holy people, set up altars and groves and chapels of idols, and sacrifice swine's flesh. Sacrifice what? Swine's flesh. While people run around talking about it's the other white meat. I'm all, ain't nothing, all, all God's creatures is good as long as you pray over it. Mm-hmm. This is what we was doing. And the Most High was killing us for it. This is part of the law, y'all. Leviticus, the 11th chapter. Read. An unclean beast, that they should also leave their children uncircumcised and make their souls abominable with all manner of uncleanness and profanation. Now, I hope we are listening to this very careful that, that we were going to keep our children uh, uncircumcised. And remember, we already heard how the brothers uncircumcised themselves. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. But this carries over on to the New Testament, y'all. When you read about Paul and Timothy, Timothy's dad, was a, it said he was a Greek. And how Timothy wasn't, un, he wasn't circumcised, this is why. You see how you don't, when you don't read the Old Testament, you don't understand the New? This is why, man. This is under the Greek. And we know that the Roman Empire, during the time of the New Testament, was also known as the Greco-Roman Empire because they're one and the same. All right, read on. Verse 49. To the end, they might... Forget the law and change all the ordinances. Now, this, all of this happened. Now, jump down to verse 53. <clears throat> and drove the Israelites into secret places, even wheresoever they could flee to Kor. So Kor means comfort. So this is <clears throat> us hiding in the caves and in the catacombs. Read. <clears throat> now the 15th day of the month, Kaslu. The month is what? Kaslu. Now, remember, I brought that out before we even got to this. Kaslu is in the month of December, y'all. Read. In the 145th year, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and builded idol altars throughout the cities of Judah on every side. Through every side. Now, this is when they did it. 
and they, they destroyed the temple. Now, we're going to jump ahead, y'all, for lack of time. To First uh, Maccabees Chapter 4 Now what ends up happening Is this brother By the name of Judas Maccabees His whole family Like I said Gave their lives To uh, saving our nation And rededicating the temple And we're going to read that here So Uh Verse 36. 436. Mm-hmm. Then said Judas and his brethren, Behold, our enemies are discomfited. Let us go up to cleanse and dedicate the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So this is Judas saying, Let's go uh, clean up the sanctuary and let's dedicate it. This is why this is known as the of the this is why this feast is known as the feast of dedication actually rededicating to the Most High. They click the sanctuary up, read. Upon this, all the hosts assembled themselves together and went up into Mount Sion. Mm-hmm. And when they saw the sanctuary desolate and the altar profaned and the gates burned up and shrubs growing in the courts as in a forest or in one of the mountains, yea, and the priest's chambers pulled down, they rent their clothes and made great lamentation. And cast ashes upon their heads, and fell down flat to the ground upon their faces, and blew an alarm with the trumpets, and cried toward heaven. Then Judas appointed certain men to fight against those that were in the fortress until he had cleansed the sanctuary. So he chose priests of blameless conversation, such as had pleasure in the law, who cleansed the sanctuary and bear out the defiled stones into an unclean place. And when, as they consulted what to do with the altar of burnt offerings, which was profaned, they thought it best to pull it down, lest it should be a reproach to them, because the heathen had defiled it, wherefore they pulled it down, and laid up the stones in the mountain of the temple in a convenient place, until there should come a prophet to show what should be done with them. Now jump down to verse 51. Furthermore, they set the loaves upon the table and spread out the veils and finished all the works which they had begun to to make. Now, this is a crash course, y'all. Y'all go back and read this on y'all own, man. This is very important Israelite history. But I'm giving a crash course for lack of time. Read. Now, on the five and twentieth day of the month, ninth month. Which now, was, the ninth month, which is of what? Which is called the month Kaslu. Once again. The 25th day of Castlewry. In the 148th year, they rose up the times in the morning. Now, this is the uh, the month December. Once again, read. And offered sacrifice according to the law upon the new altar of burnt offerings, which they had made. Look at what time and what day the heathen had profaned it, even in that what in that was it dedicated with songs and citherns, and harps and cymbals. So the same day in which the heathen destroyed the sanctuary was the same day, actually three years later, that we pro- we uh, proclaimed it and rededicated it back to the Most High. Read on. Then all the people fell upon their faces, worshiping and praising the God of heaven, 
who had given them good success. And so they kept the dedication of the altar eight days. How many days? Eight days. And this is why we keep Hanukkah for eight days, y'all, because this is what Judas Maccabees and his brothers did, the Hammer family. So that's what the word Maccabees means. They kept it for eight days. Read. And offered burnt offerings with gladness and sacrificed the sacrifice of deliverance and praise. They decked also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold, and with shields. Now, so the decorating that you see at Christmas time, they're not original, y'all. They got that from us. This is what we did. We're reading about it right here. So if you want to decorate your household and put lights up and decorations, you can do that. This celebrating Hanukkah. We in Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, y'all. Read. Thus was their very great gladness among the people, for that the reproach of the heathen was put away. Moreover, Judas and his brethren, with the whole congregation of Israel, ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days. We got to keep this, man. This is not listed in the original uh, holy convocations or the holidays or holy days of the most high Leviticus chapter 23 but it's saying that we was going to keep it and we are now keeping it now Hanukkah is not a um, holy convocation but it is a holiday in which we're supposed to gather when I say holy convocation I mean it's not a Sabbath read on Moreover, Judas and his brethren, with the whole congregation of Israel, ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days. From the five and twentieth day of the month Kaslu, with mirth and gladness. Mm -hmm. And that time also they built up the Mount Sion with high walls and strong towers round about, lest the Gentiles should come and tread it down as they had done before. And they set there a garrison to keep it and fortified Bethsura to preserve it, that the people might have a defense against Idumea. Against who? Idumea. But against the Edomites, the Idumean nation, so-called white people. Now, I want to get one more thing before we close up. So let's go to the Josephus, and we're going to read... Uh, Here we go. So tell them where you are in the Josephus. We're going to read uh, seven, paragraph seven. <clears throat> the Josephus, the Antiquities of the Jews, book 12, chapter 8, excuse me, book 12, chapter 7, paragraph 7, line 323. Now Judas celebrated the festival of the restoration of the sacrifices of the temple for eight days. We just read that out of the Apocrypha, so Josephus is right on point. Read. And omitted no sort of pleasures thereon, but he feasted them upon very rich and splendid sacrifices. <clears throat> and so he... we're supposed to be feasting, y'all, and sparing nothing. We're supposed to be having fun, remembering this occasion. This is a joyous occasion. Read. And he honored God and delighted them by hymns and psalms. They were so very glad at the revival of their customs when after a long time of intermission, they unexpectedly had regained the freedom of their worship, that they made it a law for their posterity, 
that they should keep a festival on account of the restoration of their temple worship. So it was made a law that we was going to keep this festival <clears throat> for eight days. Read. For eight days. And from that time to this, we celebrate this festival and call it light. We call it what? Light. We call it light. So it's known as the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Light. So guess what, Israel? Y'all can hang lights up. The 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 pretty lights that y'all see all over the place that sometimes we get caught off guard, bring bring that that nostalgia from your childhood or whatever. We ain't gotta stop doing the lights, y'all. We can hang lights up. We can decorate our cribs for Hanukkah. Read. I suppose the reason was because the liberty beyond our hopes appeared to us, and that thence was the name given to that festival. Judas also rebuilt the walls round about the city and reared towers of great height against the incursions of enemies and set guards therein. He also fortified the city, Bethsura, that it might serve as a citadel against any distresses that might come from our enemies. We just read that out of Maccabees, y'all. So, y'all, that's a crash course, and I do mean crash, man, because um, there's a lot more history when you're dealing with the topic of Hanukkah, man. But I wanted to get that in, and I'm sorry y'all didn't get to my topic. Uh, Mashallah, if you're listening, brother, remember this is part seven. I'll try to remember too. So I can hopefully, Lord willing, finish up uh, the topic, um, Wax Pale, next Tuesday. But I hope everybody got some edification out of the class. Happy Hanukkah, y'all. If you're in San Antonio or the surrounding areas, you're Israelite, you want to celebrate. Tonight we are going to, uh, what is it? The Rollercade. Roller the Rollercade off of San Pedro at 6. We're going to skate uh, tonight. We got events planned for Wednesday. Uh, I don't know about Thursday, y'all. I got to work Thursday evening, so I don't know. But y'all can go without me. Y'all can do something without me. Uh, event schedule for Friday. We got anything for Saturday? I don't know about Saturday, and then we got events planned for Sunday also, y'all, uh, through uh, ISBHPK. The brothers from H-Town coming out on Sunday, I heard, and uh, with Bada Bada and his event center. So we're doing both, man. Uh, happy Hanukkah, y'all. I hope everybody got some edification out of the class. If you got any questions, man, please hit me up at area code 314-482-9110, and um, I'll answer your questions, even uh, dealing with the topic or off topic, whatever biblical questions that you might have. Or if you just want to rap, man, talk to a brother. That's cool. Uh, but until then, y'all, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tuzzle Pop. Tuesday. Tuzzle Pop. Tuesday. Tuzzle Pop. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. The water, y'all. With that, we're going to say shalom. shalom.